1: Here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick. Uh, Busy, busy show today. We will probably only talk about one real thing, and that is the continued spread of the coronavirus in China and now worldwide and uh, how it's affecting markets and how we should think about this thing uh, going forward. It is a big week for the market. We're in the thick of earnings season right now, but the coronavirus is uh, stories A1 and A2. Uh, today. So that's what we'll talk about for the bulk of the show. Our two guests will not be about that. They will be about other things. We'll try to uh, get not spend the entire show on one topic. So our, our 815 guest will be Alan Brockstein. He is the author of The 420 Investor, founding Part of Our New Cannabis Ventures. And then at 835, our guest is Michael Sonnenschein, the uh, uh, Director of Business Development at Grayscale Investments, aka the GBTC, the uh, Bitcoin Trust. So uh, some non- uh, coronavirus guest, but it is a coronavirus uh, themed show here. Joel, what's the word here in the overnight session?
4: Uh, we're in the red by 47 handles at 32.46 and a half. Uh, had that lower open, 23 uh, handle lower open. That that turned out to be your high tick so far in the session. Uh, sold off pretty much all night. 32.35.75. That's your pre-market low. That's your first. Uh, first area or your first target on the downside. I don't know how bearish you want to get, but uh, there are some uh, good support levels in the lower 3200 handle. Mid range, 5275. So if you want to see a rally, folks, uh, got to get above 3252.75. Uh, crude, closer to 50 than 60, down a buck 55 at 5264. Flight to quality in the gold market up $11.10 at 1583. Silver, back above $0.18, cents, up $0.15.2 cents at 8265 And Bitcoin, I don't know if you want to call it a flight to quality there or not, but that the futures are up $260 at $8,755. let us bring in Triple D right away. And oh. uh, have you bought any stocks for a penny yet?
3: Ah, no. No, there's no stocks for a penny. And it is ugly out here, folks. But... I mean, let's put it in perspective. We are still, if you look at the S&Ps, what, we're up, well, we lost 1.5% here this morning, coupled with Friday's loss. So you're sitting around 25 to 3% off the highs. Nothing to get that nervous about. But then you start reading about this thing. And I wasn't that nervous on Friday. You know, if we were talking, I was like, hey, they probably buy it back. You know, I kind of shrug it off. But as you're reading more and more on the weekend here, you're like, this isn't good. I mean, this virus is not good. I mean, you know, there's been people that have been saying, oh, it's not as bad as SARS or not as bad as Ebola. But then I'm reading other things that's saying it's worse because it's more contagious. Yes, the death rate is slightly lower, but at the current rates, you know, the reproductive rates on this thing, that this thing could be global in a couple of months. So it sounds scary. And obviously, there's so many unknowns that we don't know. And I think Spencer Israel, if you read, you know, what, are, what they were saying, what, the, what, what, what were you reading to me on the pre yeah, market show, his, which said uh, we pretty much summarized it all very, very well. Well,
1: this quote's a few days old now, but it's from Tom
3: Frieden. He's the former director of the CDC.
1: Yeah. Uh, and his quote was, we don't know how infectious it is. We don't know how severe it is. And we don't know how it's spreading. And those are the three questions that you kind of need to answer. Um, Yikes. So the, the one thing I'll add to that, though, is I, I get the sense just from looking at the market this morning that a lot of people, Dennis, were doing what you were doing over the weekend. I, I think you are uh, the way you're feeling is not uh, unusual this morning. A lot of people yeah. uh, took the weekend, maybe didn't really know a lot about it on Friday, took the weekend, read about it, watched videos, and
3: are coming in this morning and are spooked like you are. I think so. I think that's what, and exactly. I think that's what is uh, going. I think I'm very typical, and I think that's why the market's selling off. And yes, we we did have some other news. Obviously, the missile at the embassy, U.S. embassy, and you know, what you we know, would I quickly be say that
4: that's what we would be talking about. That's
3: what we would be talking about, be talking about yeah. and nobody's talking about that. Everybody's going to be talking about the coronavirus. I mean, okay, so here and, and and there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's it's just like the flu. So what's the big deal?" Um, from what I'm reading, the big deal is, one, it could be more contagious than the flu. But it's this reproductive rate. And this is what is unknown. So we're seeing ranges in the reproductive rate from, like, two on the lower end to, like, you know, 5.5 in a, in a paper that was published yesterday. So if, and I didn't understand anything about this. I was just reading it over the weekend. So if I do something wrong, you know, it's, it's you know, I'm obviously not knowledgeable in this. I'm just reading what, I'm just telling you what I was reading. Uh, but from my understanding, if you have a reproductive rate of one, meaning one person gives it to one more person on average, on, on an average virus, eventually that virus just peters out. Because if it's less than one, it means, well, this person's going to get healed and they're going to give it to less than one people. So eventually it kind of just dies out on its own. So you don't have to really worry too much about reproductive rates when they're less than one. When they get over two, then they get a little more serious. It means one person that contracts the disease will give it to two more people if in, in, on average. When they start to get up over three, that's when they start to become global threats. So we've got a range on this thing from two all the way up to the potential on this paper yesterday of 5.5. I mean, if the reproductive rate is 3, 4, 5, this thing could Again, very much be global not, here in the next month. Not
1: a, I want to stress, not an official number. Nobody- No, asked. no,
3: no. These are all, and this is a paper and this is is, you know, on projections of seven days of data. Right. You want to talk about a low data set? This is a low data set. So it's all just guesstimates. We don't know. But if we're just saying, if, you know, so if you're coming here and buying the dip today, I'm just saying scenario analysis, we don't know if that productive or reproductive rate is much higher than the two or three that you know, the media is saying right now, this thing will probably go global. And then it's a matter of, okay, we need a vaccine and we need a good one. And you know, if you see AbbVie this morning, I think there was talks that AbbVie is working on something. That's why it's trading up here this morning. So that's the wild card. They get a vaccine for it. I mean, sure, you know, we have some horrible diseases out there, horrible viruses, but you can get the vaccine for it. You don't get it. So hopefully they can come up with a vaccine before this really gets too widespread. But if the reproductive rate is that high, it's going to be very hard to contain. It's going to be very hard to control. Um, and that's the, the concern. And then there's other people saying, well, the flu kills people every year. I hear, I've heard this on the media a dozen times in the last day, but 5% of people, 5% that get it, that's a lot higher than the flu. Um, you know, maybe if you got it, maybe if you're really old, maybe if you're like 88 years old and you get the flu, it kills 5% of people, but 5% is a high death rate, a very high death rate for the flu. in, in my opinion, I don't think the average flu kills 19 out of, or kills one out of 20 people. So, cause I've known a lot of people that got the flu. I've probably got the flu one of 20 times in my life and I'm still alive. So anybody who's saying the death rate on the flu is five or 6%, I think is mistaken. That's just logic. I don't have numbers to back that up, but I've known a lot of people that get the flu. I've never known somebody to die from it. Not somebody that's like my age. So, so anyways, there is some things to be legitimately worried about here this morning. So with that being said, I have too many unknowns to say I'm coming in here and buying the dip. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly fully invested. I have a little bit of cash. Um, I, I I'd like to put a little bit of that cash to work, but I don't know enough information about this. Come out with a vaccine and it looks like it gets in control. You know, maybe it's going to be too late at that point in time, but I'm not jumping in here trying to catch the falling night today. That's what I'm saying.
1: Uh, so the latest numbers, as far as the spread, uh, there is a little over 2,700 confirmed cases in China, uh, eight uh, reported cases in Hong Kong and Thailand. This is all per of the New York times, uh, us, Taiwan, Australia, Macau, have five cases each, Singapore, Japan, South Korea, Malaysia have four cases each, France has three, Canada, Vietnam have two, and Nepal has one. This is as of like an hour ago, I guess. So um, the, the those are the latest figures as, as far as the global spread of this virus. It's safe
3: China. to say those numbers are going to climb. I mean, it's safe to say that. It's a matter of, you know, those how are just fast they climb. Cases. What's that, Spencer? Those
1: are, just, those are just confirmed cases.
3: Yeah, exactly. And they're saying, you know, estimates are that there may be as many as 100,000 people that have this. And Spinner bring up a point, which I wanted to make as well, is that the one downside, SARS, you weren't contagious until you had symptoms. The incubation period for this, they're, averaging, they're saying is approximately 10 days. So there's people walking around with this, spreading this, that don't know they're sick. That's the concern as well. So where are we in a week from now? Where are we two weeks from now? Is, you know, are they getting it in control or is it spreading very rapidly? That's what we don't know. There's so many unknowns here and that's why the market is spooked. And that's why you see China significantly down. I have lots of China in my long-term portfolio. My long-term portfolio is going to get hit today on that. Um, You know, I was even saying last week on the show, I thought the FX guy got down to the 42 area. I thought it'd be a good buying opportunity. But with all this new information, um, it's, it's now down to 40 I'm not coming and adding to China right now. I just don't know enough information. I mean, if this starts to spread, and if 5% of people who get it are going to die, you could see how those death rates could climb very, very, very rapidly. So it's too much unknowns to just, too much unknowns to say panic and sell everything. Too many unknowns to come in here and buy the dip. So I'm just going to say so much unknown here. And that's why I'm hands off buying the dip here this morning. What are your thoughts, Joel?
4: Um. Uh, well i mean we've been overdue for a correction for a long time there's right? another good point right you know so you know you could put this in the context market was up 30 percent uh last year and now it's up another you know two three or was up another two three four percent so there's there's one factor you know that i think is also you know go making it different than you know an all-out like you know bear market decline or starting of a bear market as opposed to a retracement in a long-term bull market. you have to keep that in perspective. Also, I, I think that um, as much as we're not talking about the situation with the, Iran and I you know the bombing of the capital, I think it's something that you do have to pay attention to. yeah And also I, there's also I mean you can't be exactly thrilled that there's an impeachment hearing going on in a presidential election year so i mean there's a lot of things going on yes. uh, besides this virus and w- one you know who knows how one you know affects the other but you know i from what i've read also on the pro side you know china's taking a lot of precautions here yeah, i think they closed schools for two weeks they're not allowing cars in uh some of the major cities you know it they're doing everything they can so you're right it's just you know one of these things where the question-
3: on that stuff, though, is it too little too late? I mean, once it's, you know, how many people have already, you know, left before they put the travel ban on? How many people already left, you know, before and, and have you know, obviously you know, we know this people have come. This one case in Canada, What is say, five have been confirmed in the U.S. I mean, is it already out? Is it are we too late to try to contain it? I those are unknown unknowns again. But, you know, those are great points. And I mean, the euphoria we've been seeing in the markets where buy every dip no matter what. I mean, and that has worked. And all of a sudden, you know, you, people who are buying the dip on Friday are severely punished here today. And I mean, this is, if you're a day trader and you're like, oh, I just buy every dip, the market will be up tomorrow. And then, you know, I've been trading it that way for a couple months too because it just seems like that works. I said, you know, normally I'm market neutral. I trade market hedged. But in some cases I've been, you know, and I was market hedged over the weekend because so I was kind of nervous that this could grow. But, um, and I'm just talking my trading portfolio. The Long-term, I'm, I'm always long in my long-term portfolio. Uh, but you look at here and you think, well, maybe... There is a potential that you know a lot of people are caught here. Day traders, even so, they're going to be getting hit out here too. There's a lot of people who are long right now and sitting on a lot of money because we've had such a run, sitting on good profits. So some, this is a great excuse to do some profit taking.
4: And uh, also, you know, looking for perspective, I mean, our show focuses on you know pre-market trading and after our trading, and we use the keys from that market action for the upcoming session. But a majority of the money. The big money, you know, is traded between you know nine thirty and four pm. Whatever way you want to look at it. So, you know the you know the fund managers or large individual investors or people that haven't uh, you know haven't sprung into action yet. Then you know the true liquidity comes in at uh, at nine thirty. So, majority of the you know the day is going to be decided between nine thirty and four. Uh, we did have a nice little bounce at uh, fifty two seventy five. Uh, that was mid-range on the session. Now we're creeping back towards the lows. So I'm hoping that pre-market low of 32, 35, 75 holds, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to. It
3: doesn't feel like it. It feels heavy. It feels like there's nervousness out here. I'm, I'm not buying the dip. I mean, I might regret it, uh, but I think I would love, you know, it'd be great if they do buy the dip and they shrug this off again, but I think I would actually lighten some stuff up. <laughs> and even in my long-term portfolio, I, if we were to rally some of this back today, more of the buy the dip, I just, am I'm, 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 nervous. You can tell I'm nervous here and I haven't been nervous for a while in this markets, but I'm nervous about this after reading everything that I read. It doesn't sound that good. And it sounds, I, people keep saying just the flu. I think that's what the media wants you to believe too. It's just the flu. And maybe that's the case. Maybe it's just a bad flu bug. Uh, but I've just never seen a 5% death rate attached to the flu. Do you guys know anybody that's died of the flu? No. So, and, and I don't know. We should just go get the statistics on that, but I'm pretty positive that everybody who contracted track the flu, I highly doubt the death rate was 5% last year on the flu. I highly doubt that. Just in you know, wow. logic. I haven't looked those numbers up, but just logically thinking it. Can we find that really fat mortality rate on the flu? Can If somebody in the chat knows that on the flu from last year? Let's bring on
1: uh, our guest and get his thoughts on this. Uh, Alan Brockstein, our first guest of the day. Alan Brockstein is the author of The 420 Investor. He's also a founding partner, New Cannabis Ventures. Uh, Alan, uh, good morning here.
5: Can you hear and see me?
1: I hear you. I'm going to see you here in a second. Okay. There we go. All right. We're
5: getting it down. All
1: right, Alan. uh, I was reading here a headline. uh, Advi said that China is testing an HIV drug as a treatment for the coronavirus. Have you heard anything from any of the cannabis companies uh, uh, about any potential use cases for any of their drugs to treat this virus? Uh,
5: No, that's, you know, it's really funny. Every time one of these comes up, I can remember Ebola, cure for Ebola. You know, cannabis cures everything, right? Uh, No, not hearing anything at this time. No,
1: okay. Uh, So, I mean, take into account the market is very spooked. Dennis is spooked this morning. Give us an overall sense of the sentiment in in the cannabis market right now.
5: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, We've had two down years and uh, if you were to ask people, you know, which year was worse, they would say last year, but believe it or not, statistically percentage wise, it was the year before. And we've been through a period of huge disappointment with uh, bad implementations. Bad's actually a nice way of saying it. Uh, I don't know what y'all are rated here. Uh, There's a, Another word I could use, uh, but uh, I won't. But California and, and Canada were just terrible uh, in terms of implementing uh, adult use. And uh, there's been some other issues too, including the uh, vaping crisis. But uh, you know, as we enter this year, it's actually looking kind of interesting. And uh, I think I've been following this space for seven years and it's always been uh, the rising tide lifts all boats for the most part. Uh, this year is gonna be very different. Uh, there's uh, the haves and the have-nots, as I uh, like to call them. And in, in the United States, uh, you know, there are about four companies that uh, have a billion-dollar-plus market caps, and they all have access to capital. Uh, they all are able to borrow money. Uh, it's not easy, but they can do it. Uh, and they are also able to do sale leasebacks. So uh, those four, I think, can probably separate from the rest of the and, industry.
1: And who are those four? Who are the haves?
5: Yeah, so alphabetically it's Cresco, Cureleaf, Leaf, uh, GTI or Green Thumb Industries, and True Leaf, and, and these companies are all uh, on the path to a uh, billion dollars in sales. I would say in the next few years, uh, it, it might take a little bit from True Leaf to get there, but Cureleaf, for example, is guided to a billion dollars in sales this year, 2020. Uh, I just I spent a lot of time yesterday, kind of looking at these four companies and comparing them to the five. Canadian LPs uh, in terms of, uh, you know, that have the billion-dollar-plus market cap. So those are, there's nine companies that fall into that. And the, and the U.S. companies look a lot cheaper. Uh, and I, I would suggest, you know, they're kind of like, they grew up on the other side of the track. They work harder. Uh, let me explain that. So in, in Canada, the LPs had just massive access to capital. And uh, they all had the same mentality of just raise capital, deploy it and so now what we're looking at when you look at the largest lps some of their assets are being questioned the past acquisitions they've done are being questioned and uh you know the markets aren't developing and i'm not trying to be negative by the way on the canadian market i think it's going to be a lot better this year so i I don't want to come across as being negative but if you look at what happened in the united states these companies didn't have the luxury of money being thrown at them for the most part so they've had to be a little bit more judicious in their spending. And uh, consequently, when you look at the financials, the five Canadian LPs are all losing more money than those four uh, American ones. And, and some of the American operators are already generating more revenue than the Canadian operators. So then you look at the valuations, not getting into all the details. It's pretty clear that if these U.S. companies can execute, they can make some money. I they're trading at about three times, two 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 and a half to three times 2021 sales.
1: So two of the companies that you mentioned there, uh, TrueLeave and Cresco are going to be at our cannabis capital conference with you uh, the end of February, the 24th and 25th. Um, I want to get your thoughts, uh, Alan, on, I just had a question. Oh yeah, uh, retail sales. Uh, I, I was seeing some data, retail sales uh, continuing to slide. Uh, for cannabis, U.S. retail sales specifically. Uh, thoughts on that?
5: What, what data is that?
1: I uh, Well, it, it was from a couple months ago, but...
5: So, uh, okay, so when you're looking at, at, at retail sales in the yeah. United States, they're expanding rapidly. And I think you get into some seasonal issues sometimes. There's yeah. certain months that are bigger than others, the, you know, consumption around yeah. uh, certain times of the year. Uh, and, you know, like if you look at Colorado, ski season and summer season are elevated, for example. But I think when you're looking at the last few months, you have to take into account the vape crisis, and maybe that's what you're alluding to. So we did see, I mean, I look at these these numbers every month, and we did see certain categories decline, but they seem to have shifted. Uh, people seem to have shifted away from vaping and into edibles or pre-rolls. Uh, and so the overall markets are, are advancing. And I think for investors, you know, there's a lot of ways to think about growth and just to tie back to those four companies that I mentioned, and, and in general, you know, a lot of them are growing within their existing stores. Uh, that's one way. They also can open up new dispensaries or expand cultivation within their existing markets. So that's two. Three, they can enter new markets organically by winning licenses and that's going on. And then four, there's M&A. And M&A definitely is on the back burner right now when you listen to all these people. It sounds like the, the haves are going to be picking up the have nots pennies on the dollars if, if they even want to. So, all right, we've
1: been out with Alan Brockstein. He's the author of the Four Twenty 20 investor founding partner of new cannabis ventures. We'll be at our Benzinga cannabis capital conference, February 24th and 25th in Miami, go to benzingaevents.com dot com to learn more about that. Alan, thanks so much for the time today. Great to talk.
3: All right. Uh, 822. Dennis, what did you learn in those seven minutes? We're, we'll get Alan back on because, you know, it's not the best day to have Alan on because there's so much of this coronavirus talking. But we love Alan Brockstein. We're going to have him back on and we'll get him back on next week and dive into some of these stocks. So I, I kind of had a few stocks I wanted to ask him about too, and we didn't get a chance because obviously there's so much else going on here this morning. So, Alan, if you're listening, we're going to get you back on for a longer interview. We love you, Alan, and we know you're the most knowledgeable guy in the pot stock sector. Yeah, So and, uh, we're going to bring him back on.
4: Add a little levity to the situation. I mean, uh, cannabis cons- consumption could be increasing over the next couple of weeks as, uh, you know, as people. You're, are saying, <laughs> you're saying to calm people down. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> good point, Joel. That's a good I point. Mean, <laughs> Okay, yeah. I
3: did look up the mortality rates here. And I just did quick numbers from Google. So whether these are correct or not, I do not know. But when I was doing the math quickly, and Jaber actually must have did the same thing on Google uh, from the chat, he, from the pre-market chat, because he was looking at the same thing. Um, last year, the, the mortality rate, and uh, I didn't actually get the numbers, but there was between 9 million and 45 million illnesses. And there was 61,000 deaths from it. Um, I I don't know if we have the exact same numbers because the numbers that I grabbed when I did the quick math on it, I got 0.14% mortality rate. So what that means is 1.4 people out of 1,000. So basically one person out of 1,000 dying from the common flu. This is 50 out of 1,000 dying from this. So you're talking about something that's 50 times more deadly. So it's not comparable, at least on those initial numbers with my three minutes of analysis. So whether I'm right on those numbers or whether they're a little bit off, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is a lot more deadly than the common flu. I mean, maybe if you're 85 years old, you get the common flu, or you get this one. Um, maybe it doesn't make a difference because often we know the flu, when you're old and you're weak, that, you know, that can obviously have impacts on whether you're going to survive only, or not.
4: The only thing I'm going to add to that is that, um, you know, some of the casualties have been, you know, uh, young males. And, it, and
3: that's scary. Yeah. yeah. What does the casualty profile look like? Yeah. You have eighty-one deaths over there. What are the ages? Are these all uh, old um, young people, youngest, or is it middle-aged people? No. The youngest uh, victim
1: is uh, I think I saw a five or six-month-old baby girl. It, that's it, sad. Is what
3: so I there is victims like people my age. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. And that's scary. So it's maybe not discriminating as much on age as you know a common flu virus would. Because I know when, you, when your baby's like four or five months old, he gets the flu. It's a serious condition. Correct. When a 40-year-old person gets the flu, they're not usually going to get hospitalized unless maybe they have asthma or they have some other illnesses right. or it's right. really bad. So I, I know my boy has asthma. When he was getting the flu you know, under a year, it's, it's, it's tough. You know? And he was in the hospital a couple of times. Now that he's five, he's able to fight it off better. So he hasn't been hospitalized. He's had the flu a couple of times already this year. And he's been okay even with the asthma. So this is scary. This is scary stuff, guys. Not even for the markets. This is just scary like as a human being, like this thinking that this thing could come over here, this virus, and if its mortality rate's 5%, if you know somebody that gets it, there's a 5% chance they're gonna die. That's a scary, scary thought. So, you know, and if people start thinking like that, it's not unreasonable to think this market could have some more downside yet. So I hope they get the, the vaccine, you know, hopefully Abby or somebody come out with a quick vaccine, a quick fix, and everything's going to be okay. But at this point in time, we just don't know. We just don't have enough information.
1: The only thing I can really compare this to uh, personally was you guys remember swine flu about 10 years ago? Uh, yeah. What what's the that, stats on that? That, that, was a, that? that was a particularly bad uh, strain of the flu that I actually got. Uh, and I oh, went, you got uh, the swine flu? Yeah, yeah, I got swine flu. I went to the hospital. Uh, but uh, but this is, I mean, that was nothing compared to what 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 this is. That that was a bad strain of the flu. This is this dwarfs that.
3: It, this it, sounds it, very from from it, everything it, that I'm reading. And how how did you feel? So swine flu compared to normal flu was it like? a lot worse or was it um i'll be honest in this like, what were the different symptoms same symptoms just more yeah, pronounced.
1: It, it was the same symptoms it was it was just yeah it was more pronounced i, I think i had 104 and and again i have asthma so it was not oh, secure but uh but uh I, it was same symptoms as as a normal flu just just like i don't know 30 percent 40 percent worse i mean it, it, it was not great it was not fun to tell you that um but this is that was nothing compared to in, in terms of in terms of uh the the fear and and the 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 fear of the spread and the scope of this thing and the potential scope uh swine flu i I just can remember as i was in college and uh people were worried but it was not like this it was not like this
3: so let's let's jump over into the individual stock so the last thing i'll just say on it if the vaccine comes out everything changes game changer the fears will subside if we get a good vaccine that cures this or stops you from getting it you know hopefully you know they can you know get it into people before they actually contract it um that's what we're hoping for that's the best that or, you know, thing to or happen.
4: the uh the um multiplication reproduction rate
3: you know goes down or they start yeah. to get it in check they yeah. start to get in control that's what you want to see you know for obviously for everyone we want to see the reproduction rate of this thing go lower and we want to see a vaccine come out that's what we want to see until that until we start to see those things happening though this market could be uh it could be in some trouble here and like you said we're we're sitting on a little bit of a a short-term bubble we were up a lot in january so it's not unreasonable to think we could give all that back china gave it all back in four days china is now down on the year on 2020 that's incredible um when you think about it and even the emerging markets which isn't all china um is now down on the year so and down significantly like two three percent now so that's that's significant but, you know, there is individual stock stories, some stocks that are going to get hit harder. We talked about these on Friday. Wynn Resorts is down nine more p- bucks. I mean, we're talking about a stock that was 151 at this time last week, at the end of last week. Now it's down nine more dollars. Las Vegas Sands down another $4. MGM, not as much exposure over Macau, but still some exposure, obviously, down 5%. Casino stocks, that's a last thing. Like, you think about it. Do I want to go touch a dirty slot machine? We were talking about this on Friday. Or roll some dice that the dispenser was saying people were blowing on. And no, and then you know Disney's another thing. Like Disney closing the Shanghai park. 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 Yep. Are you wanting to go to Disney World right now?
2: Any, uh, I'm a little hesitant. Most, There's a
3: lot of different people major, from a lot of different places at Disney World. Th- th-
1: think about every company that has exposure to China, which is most of them, right? Uh, Starbucks, Consumer Focus, Starbucks, McDonald's, KFC, huge restaurants in China. Everyone.
3: People is, aren't going to go out as much. No. The movie theaters. I mean, you think about that stuff too. Um, but there's, you know, and so, so that's your short, you know, and, and then the airlines, you think about who's traveling, they're going to maybe be canceling a few flights here and there. I don't know if I want to travel to China right now. I, I pretty much guarantee you if I was had a ticket to go to China for something right now, I would be rebooking it. So airlines ground zero as well, especially the ones that are international carriers, those are going to get hit harder than the domestic carriers. So think about that as well. So that's like ground zero for, you know, stocks that are going to get hit significantly on this even like your price lines think about those i know they call it booking now trip advisor those all down significantly here this morning i mean bkng um it hasn't traded a full lot here this morning i tell you it's offered at 1922 so it's offered down 40 bucks and nobody's lifting that odd lot there so you know it lost 40 points on friday it's going to lose at least another 40 points a day i think it probably goes under 1900 today it's significant, so that's the that's you know the shorts, the the, the ones that are getting hit. That's the the stocks that are getting hit the most on this. The other side of the coin, you can go and look at you know that list that Spencer Israel gave you, which was an excellent list three days ago. Um, if you can give that list again here, Spencer, and we'll look at some of those stocks. Yeah, sure. Uh, APT. Let's start there. Let's start with APT. Full disclosure: I'm long APT, so I'm and, and, planning. This is just it was a, a trade from Friday night. And I was looking, and I was thinking over the weekend, you know, this might pop up a little. bit. I didn't buy a lot, but I was like, if this thing gets ugly over the weekend, that APT is going to lift. And I bought it at six bucks after hours, and it's seven seventy-seven. I've sold some here this morning. I still have some, so I probably will. This is more of a day trade, short-term trade. Um, but I was just buying because I thought there's a possibility this could get ugly over the weekend, and it did. The APT is paying me for that.
4: Uh, up a buck seventy-seven at seven point seven seven for you craps players. There, uh, you were higher though. Um, you did get up over uh, eight fifty. Uh, your pre-market high comes in at eight sixty-three. You peel back a little bit, holding in here. So as always, when we talk about these kind of moves in the pre-market after hours, what you want to see is you want to see follow-through through that eight fifty area. Get up there quickly, take out the 850, and keep on going. As of right now, you do see some profit taking in it. Backed off from 8 850. Now trading, you'd find a buyer here at 77 7, 775. So that's seeing holding that level, testing 850. These this are
3: direct headline stocks now yep. related to the how fast this thing is spreading. Okay. Spreading it's- starts to slow. These things are going to get hit. The spreading increases, and, and APT just for your information, and you know some of these stocks. What they do is they are, uh, they do prote- protective apparel, so like masks, stuff like that. Which I heard was selling out. Like it's hard yeah, to even I, get I, these masks, even in the U.S. I heard they were selling out right now. Like it's hard yeah. to get, you know, um, like a mask to go out in the public, and it's hard to find right now. They're selling out. That's already over here. I
1: saw a few screenshots of Amazon. Amazon said we're sold out of masks. Uh,
3: there but- you go. This company makes those masks. Yeah. So that's why the stock is up so significantly. The other company that makes this, another stock that Spencer Israel gave you last week, L-A-K-E. Yep. And I said on Friday, I was like, I think, you know, the, the, you know, I think this could actually, the top could be in. Everything changed here over the weekend. It's different now. And we're now going to try to challenge that high that we made four days ago. And I wouldn't want to be short it. Not Not now.
4: Really interesting chart for this one, folks. You did get up same time that the APT hit that high. This went to 1669. Uh, High of the move before this was 1540. You're right there right now. So holding 1540 bodes well to go up and test that 1650 high. Uh, Not holding this 1550, get to I don't know, we even talk about a gap fill here, fourteen eighty nine. dollars 89 But uh, this is opening right into that high. A lot of people are getting their money back uh, that bought it on the first day, you know, uh, on the news outbreak. So holding fifteen fifty critical for this one.
3: But you just think if this thing starts to really spread, these stocks are going to continue to catch a bit, I would think.
4: So yeah, just, like yeah. you look back to
3: 2014, this L-A-K-E went from 7 bucks. What was 2014, Ebola?
4: Yeah, that was Ebola.
3: In Ebola, so this gives you some perspective. In Ebola back in 2014, L-A-K-E, which makes protective apparel as well, went from $7 to $29 in about a week and a half. So you think this thing goes from 10 to 15 the trade's over? Not if this thing keeps spreading. This trade could be on for a while. So I would not want to be short this. Um, and maybe even interested in buying pullbacks here. Maybe you get a little bit of, you know, if this market decides to reverse today, these are obviously going to be a little bit inversely related to the overall market here right now. So keep an eye on this. But just saying we have precedents here. We can see what it's done in the past on scary viruses or scary diseases. And it's had significant, you know, a significant pop before. So it can do it again.
1: I want not actually uh, go to our second guest right now. and This is uh, not the worst day to have uh, him on. Michael Sonnenschein, he's the Director of Business Development at Grayscale Investments, a.k.a. or they're the, the proprietors of the GBTC, the Bitcoin Trust. Uh, and Michael, uh, first of all, can you hear me? Good morning. Yes, I can. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Michael, th- this is the first real... Uh, gl- global crisis uh, since the mainstreaming of Bitcoin. And we've always joked about Bitcoin being, you know, the new, the new goal or the new flight to safety. Uh, what are you seeing in the Bitcoin markets in, in the last week or so that, that, that would indicate the market is, is reacting to the spread of the, of the coronavirus here?
2: Well, I think you guys make a great point. There's no question that an investors' mindsets that Bitcoin has become a real flight to safety. No question about it. Over the past two or so years, we definitely have seen investors think that not only gold and bonds, but also assets like Bitcoin are a place for them to go when the market gets, you know, topsy turvy. And so we've seen this in Brexit and Brexit. Um, the Chinese devaluation of the renminbi, And we saw it again a few weeks ago when tensions started to rise around Iran. And uh, with the spread of the coronavirus, we're seeing once again, Bitcoin and other digital assets start rallying.
1: And it's interesting because this is almost like a a real, a, a real use case, a real test case here for what people uh, have talked about for why why cryptocurrency is is the future. I, if you have watched uh, any movie about any sort of uh, spreading of a virus, it always gets to the point where there's bank runs and economic crises, and and the cryptocurrency is really meant to be a, a store against that. So this is sort of a real a real world a, a real life use case that we're seeing right now.
2: It really is. Uh, no question about it. I mean, I think we've seen trading volumes tick up, prices begin to rally, and, um, you know, having been on with you guys before, you also know that here at Grayscale, we are manager of the world's largest digital currency uh, investment product family. Um, the, the flagship product amongst those is our Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, uh, symbol GBTC, which is the world's largest Bitcoin investment vehicle. Um, And so I think that there's been quite a bit of adoption since we last talked. Um, In case you guys didn't see it over the last few weeks, Schwab put out a report looking at a couple of different generations, um, looked at boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials, and actually revealed what their top 10 equity holdings were at Schwab. And not surprisingly, the top fifth most held security by millennials at Schwab was the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, GBTC. And so that's something that we all need to be paying attention to. The younger generation of investors is really glomming on to the idea that digital currency should be a part of their portfolio, and they're already investing in
4: it. Round the line with Michael Sunshine, Director of Business Development at Grayscale Investments. Uh, Michael, I wanted to ask you. I've been following the Bitcoin futures, uh, and really have noticed like an increase in volume, an increase in the open interest. With any kind of technical terms a stock or a future or trading instrument is going up and you have increasing open interest, then you're assuming people are taking more positions on the long side. I look at the GBTC and the volume is kind of steady here. Um, so you would think if there was more an increase in the futures, it'd be more of an increase here um, in your uh, investment trust. Uh, would you like to comment on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that on the public markets, you know, GBTC continues to be, you know, one of if not the most liquid security every day on the OTCQX market here in the US. Um, I do think that there are likely quite a few folks out there who have or continue to build positions, but not necessarily always using GBTC as a trading instrument, so much as they may be sitting on their investment because it gives them long only exposure to Bitcoin. Uh, right alongside stocks, bonds, and everything else they own in their accounts. Um, I do agree with you that um, the the futures volumes have definitely ticked up. Um, It's great to see open interest and trading volume in the CME futures um, continuing to trend higher. And then also I think another big component of thats that is that we've seen uh, options begin to trade on the CME Bitcoin futures, which has been another thing that I think the investment community has been really excited about.
4: And you guys, recently, uh, were, um, Bitcoin trust shares are now registered with the SEC. So I think that that probably will add a little credibility to it. Um, also, SEC reporting. So that's, that's one step for it becoming a, more of a mainstream product with the SEC approval.
2: Certainly. I think it's been uh, something that's been a big milestone for our team and certainly for the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. A lot of investors out there may not even consider certain investment instruments or companies uh, to invest in unless they are SEC reporting. And thus are kind of afforded those types of protections and levels of disclosure, um, financial statements, etc. And so now the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, (GBTC) is the first digital currency investment vehicle uh, to become an SEC reporting company. And so, folks should expect to see ten Ks and ten Qs and eight Ks and all the typical types of filings that they would see for other investment instruments, public companies, etc., associated with this product.
1: Uh, Michael, well, best that you can tell, what are are, are there any catalysts that that we're going that we're going to get for the cryptocurrency market uh, at large this year that we can look forward to?
2: I think there's a couple of things that investors should be paying attention to uh, and we've seen this before so you know 2020 we're in an election year um, so there's going to likely be a lot of different impacts that the election is going to have across various asset classes and again if things become a little bit um out of whack or we start seeing more shocks to the system i think investors could certainly see increased attention being paid to digital currencies as a flight to safety I think we're already seeing quite a bit of economic and political tensions around the world as well, which again, I think if you think about this flight to safety or you know Bitcoin being a digital gold, that's certainly another area to pay attention to. And then I think very importantly, something that is not yet very well known as to whether or not it's baked into the Bitcoin price is a very important catalyst for Bitcoin, uh, which is gonna happen later this summer, which is called the Bitcoin halving. And so for those folks that aren't familiar with this, the Bitcoin protocol predictively adds more Bitcoin into circulation every day, nonstop. And the rate at which more Bitcoin enters circulation gets cut in half every four years. And so the next one of those halving events where the rate of supply is going to slow by half is slated for late May early June of this summer. And so it's definitely something that I think investors are gonna be paying more attention to over the next couple of months, and certainly something that historically has been a catalyst for price. And it's obviously a remaining question as to whether or not that's currently baked into the Bitcoin price. All
1: right, Michael Sonnenshan is the Director of Business Development at Grayscale Investments. Uh, GBTC and Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies at large, definitely a market to watch uh, as we sort of monitor the global reaction to the spread of the coronavirus Michael thank you so much for joining us today
2: great to have great to be on thanks guys and we'll talk soon
3: all right um, Dennis shall we keep going through that list yeah um, this was a list that Benzinga put together there yeah. I just tweeted it out for the listeners and obviously I put it in the chat as well but give us a list here for the people who are listening to the show as well and we got through have Tune- access to their chat
1: we got through apt and lake uh, let's, I'm going to stick out. Yeah, Alpha. so
3: Lake, and we we gave her technicals on that. Other big ones, so yeah, jump in. A- AEMD, Alpha Echo, Mary Delta. Oh, that's a different one. I didn't have that one on my list. Oh, okay. you got new ones on your list, Spencer. I like this. You're finding another one. Right. It's up 9%, so it looks like you're right. Continue the list. Uh, I added that one to my list. B-C- AEMD.
1: Yeah, B-C-R-X. Yeah. Bravo Charlie That one I
3: traded the other day it didn't respond that well so I'm not sure like it didn't really hold up and it's not doing what the other ones are doing. It is up there this morning on it, but maybe not a I I don't know what they do, but it's not a responding as well as some of the other ones. All right. C B L I Charlie that's a, Bravo. That's up big India. Yes. That's up forty percent here this morning. For, from from a buck thirty two to a buck eighty, so that's moving. Uh, C O D X. CoDiagnostics C-O-D-X. up yeah, big here as well. Gave it back, gave back a lot of it in the last couple of days, going right back up to the top of the move again. 275. Um, that is same where it got a
4: lake. That, that's interesting. The same, yeah, thing. similar yeah. setup. Yeah, yep, similar, similar setup on that. Um, so also, I, and I mentioned in the other chat, there's some China travel stocks to keep an eye on. TCOM, uh, is trading in the red, uh, and that's a travel stock, and then HTHT. Uh, that's a hotel chain in uh, in China. Those don't sound
3: bit. good. Yeah. I don't want to be along a hotel chain from China. Yeah. And great people point, are asking point,
4: about you know just as like uh, you know overall, and we don't make investment advice or you know recommendations. Is this a buy the dip opportunity? I mean, I I think the best buying out dip opportunities are when you see uh, like when limit downs. And we got 113 handles to go before
3: you don't we, feel like a washout here. Yeah, this isn't yeah. a washout it, here. It's, yet.
4: it's when you get those. I mean, now, so based because the SP's rallied so much, limit down is 3130. So that's 113 handles from where we're trading at now. So, you know, if you want to look for how far the market could fall today, that it, probably, you know, in all likelihood, it won't but you know, limit down is limit down. And we've seen, we used to see limit situations when we were uh, at the bright office and those provide for some of the best opportunities, but uh,
3: quite a Different week- markets, different times. There's a lot of, you're juggling a lot of balls here. And we addressed this off the bat. And if you're listening the first few minutes, we talked about, is this a buy the dip opportunity? So we can address it again for those listeners, maybe on the West coast who are tuning in later. Um, there's two ways to think about this. I mean, if you're very underinvested, maybe you nibble here a little bit. But the one concern is we just have so many unknowns. And I've always lost a lot of money, money trying to just call the bottom and really put it in perspective. You're looking at the S&Ps and saying, oh, this is a buy the dip opportunity. I mean, we're 3% off the highs. I mean, we're still up in 2020. We're still up on the year. And we've only had you know 17, 18 days with an awful couple of days. We haven't even come close to what's you know happened over in China. China's down 10, 11% in four trading sessions. We're down three. So if it comes over here, if this virus does come over here, it's gonna get ugly. It's a matter of, is it coming over here or not? We have one case in Canada, five cases in the US. So it's not that scary yet. They start popping up and we start seeing 50 cases, 100 cases, 200 cases. This market, it will probably go lower. So it's all a matter of how well they contain the virus. If it, it stays contained, if the reproductive rate slows, if they come up with a vaccine, the money will come right back into this market. If those things do not happen or if they are slower to happen, this market could continue to leak. So it's all a matter of headlines here now. And we can't, I don't think nobody knows what is going to be, you know, nobody knows the conclusion of this thing yet. So is this another Ebola? Is this another SARS? Is it something less serious? Is it something more serious? I mean, it doesn't sound like the virus itself is more serious, but it sounds like it's more contagious. So what does that mean from an, on a global scale? A lot of questions to be answered here yet. So I say I have, don't have enough information to come in here and start buying the dip. Not right now. Even though it could bounce back today, if it did bounce back today, I would probably use that opportunity to lighten up. I don't think I'm coming in here and buying the dip, even though we're down 500 points.
4: Uh, another stock added to the list here: uh, ZNH, uh, China Southern Airlines, uh, under pressure today too, down a buck 33. So yeah. that, I mean,
1: every Chinese company. But if that yeah.
4: pops up in your buy filter, i just you know I know a lot of people run different filters; they have different things. So you know, just be aware, because I've, I've never heard of that symbol before. It doesn't. I, I've
3: traded that. it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, airlines themselves are really hurting here today. China airline, probably going to be hurting more than your average airline. But let's go look at the airline specifically. We haven't looked at the charts. So we talked about them briefly off the hop and saying this is probably, you know, ground zero, really. They're going to get hit hard because people don't want to travel when there's stuff like this happening. So you think about your international carriers. Those are going to get hit harder than the domestic. But United Airlines is already down $3 here this morning. Delta, a lot of international operations, down three and a half percent. Uh, LUV not down as much. Southwest doesn't have as much international travel. So you got to consider those things when you're trading these things against each other. Um, American Airlines down four and a half percent here this morning. Full disclosure, I'm short American Airlines. That's a, a, a short-term trade on the coronavirus. Um, so there you go. I mean, there's four airlines right there. You can talk JetBlue. You can talk some of the other ones as well. Again, JetBlue, um, maybe not you know, as much, obviously, international operations, if any. So maybe not as a, much of a concern as a Delta. That has a lot of international flights
4: uh for the uh, american airlines who just had fundamental information out last week and had a wild day here if you want on that earnings day when it spiked down to 2604 uh you're trading just above that level down in the pre-market at 2640 so just be aware you know you had a daily low at 2604 if you're looking either a Uh, to cover short Well I
3: am so maybe I'm gonna use your level there Joel so thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Uh,
4: And then also with those is you know the longer it takes to get down to that area, more of a chance of it having some kind of a rebound. I just looked at UAL. UAL this uh, this has always been a tricky one. This is taking out the well what's the low of the move here? Low of the eighty
3: bucks through it
4: twenty eight it's through it by a couple bucks. But man, Spencer pull up the monthly on this one. Let's see if the data lines up. If you get a look at this thing at seventy seven fifty, um that's a buck thirty away, you may get that. Uh pair of monthly lows, April and May, seventy seven forty, seventy seven thirty five. So I know this is a thin and a wild one. I'm but, sorry, uh, this
1: is a this UAL?
4: Yeah, UAL okay. monthly. I see a couple monthly lows right in the same area. Uh so to me that has to seventy
3: seven get- bucks. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that's a buck thirty away. So Uh, that's
3: easily doable today. I mean, it's down three and a half
4: bucks. Especially United Airlines. I mean, that thing is uh, thin. It moves around pretty good. And then uh, Delta, given back from that earnings report here now, quite a distance away from had that pop off earnings. Maybe get a look at fifty-six bucks in this. I do see a low just under. I see one at 56.43. You're coming into that right now, but after that, 55.61. So we'll call call 56.43 your short-term support here in Delta Airlines.
3: Again, I just want to talk about that mortality rate to bring it back to that one more time because I'm seeing it again, a lot of people saying, oh, it's just the flu. So in total, I'm reading this right from uh, time.com, and it's from the CDC. In total, the CDC estimates that up to 42.9 million people got sick during the 2018-2019 flu season, so the last flu season. 647,000 people were hospitalized, and 61,200 died. If you take the 61,200 deaths and and divide that into the 42.9 million people that got sick, you come up with that rate that I was giving you at 0.14%. In other words, one person 1.4 1.4 people out of 1,000. So basically one in 1,000 people dying from the flu. This is 50 out of 1,000. This is, in other words, you know, if you go to 1.4, 35 or 37 times more deadly, at least on these low estimates. We're, we, we, we obviously, you know, have an issue because the data set is very small. We have seven or eight days of data we're working here. It hasn't been out there that long. Um, so, but as of right now, and the mortality rate's been climbing, which is a scary thought too. It was 2% last week they were talking about. Now it's 5 is it going to go to seven or eight? That's going to spook the market further. But this, to say this is just like the common flu, it, it, it doesn't look like that to me, not from reading these stats. It looks like it's way more deadly. I'm not sure how much the common flu spreads. Maybe it's comparable in those ratios. But when you're talking about something that you know has 50 deaths per 1,000 versus what has 1.4 deaths per 1,000, it's, it's apples and oranges. This is way more deadly. I wanted to finish the list
1: here. There's a couple more uh, stocks on that list I wanted to run through. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do I, it. I believe I mentioned uh, coronavirus stock list. C-B-L- CBLI, uh, CODX is one, INO, Indigo, Nancy, uh, October, yep. NNVC, Nancy, Nancy, Victor, Charlie, NVAX, and VIR, were the final. Uh, to- I saw
3: a lot about NVAX last week, people talking about this one. so And that's a good one to look at. It was $5, blasted off to almost 10 on the initial headlines, and then kind of had the consolidation. Well, now it's going back up there and looking like it's going to test that area too. Like Joel was saying, similar to the lake chart, similar to the other chart. These are all trading together here right now. You know, That's what's really happening here. You're seeing this uh, this coronavirus trade in these stocks. Some of them are obviously look like they're trading together very significantly together.
1: Uh, something else to keep in mind is your your leverage ETFs will be trading heavily. Uh so your Yang and your Yin and your Chow. Right. Uh a lot of a lot of volume
3: all be, be up big.
1: Yeah, a lot of volume in in well, some of them are inverse, so maybe not up big, but uh chow is chow is down big because that's a uh, yang's
3: yeah. inverse so it's going to be up big um it's three times china bear so you can just go look at the fxi you can get a ballpark that so you go fxi is trained down five percent well it's gonna be up to 15 you know you can just do the quick math on that which sure. is exactly what it is 5.29 versus 16 percent up so three times i mean i've always just thought i, I don't play the inverses because i would just three times, do three times as much stock if i really wanted a position i just short three times as much stock but obviously you know some people don't have the leverage to do that so that's why they maybe play it this way
1: Yep, uh, Yin is not inverse, so that's down. Chao is not inverse, so that's down. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's pretty much the that's that's the list right there. So, any other tickers that you? um
3: that I mean, we didn't do. You know, if you that? want, if you want to move away from coronavirus for a second, we did have DH Horton report earnings. I'm just gonna say, it's a, uh, it's I don't even care what the numbers day. are. It's a
1: bad day for IPOs and a bad day for earnings.
3: Don't report earnings today. Not, not least this morning because you know what it, uh, the report actually was I saw it trading up it was probably pretty good but they don't, they don't want to buy anything
1: today it was a good report they beat on their earnings estimate and they raised their guidance So I
3: saw this trade at 60 this morning and I had the thought process I should just short that because in all likelihood it's going to go red just because this is the day to not uh, be buying anything that's green I mean I look at my screen the only thing that really is green for the most part is gold stocks Gold stocks. I do see 3M trading higher and, you know, and uh, a spinner making a point, you know, they make the masks. So it really, I, I, you know, it isn't like a pure play here. You don't expect 3M to rally 5, 6, 7% today because think about how many things 3M makes. So it's because they make masks, they're rallying the stock. I think that's a little bit overdone um, to make it go green because there's going to be so many other businesses that are probably hit on this. But, you know, you can just see the spooked and you can see where traders are thinking. They're like, oh, 3M makes masks. Buy them. So, you know, maybe you know, it holds up today because of that. But, you know, it's not like an APT or a lake. That's, that's their primary business. So that's why you see LAKE trading up 11% and APT trading up more substantially because that's their primary business. But um, DHI, if you want to give quick, quick technicals, dig it up to 60, rejected it there. Bad data report earnings.
4: Uh, right, it's, all, it's up thirty three cents at fifty, what fifty eight eighty four here. Let's just look at the range from Friday, right there. Uh, you got was that fifty nine eighty six? That's quite a way. So I think for this one, uh, DHI, you want you wanna, it's traded green. You want to see it stay green at uh, fifty eight fifty one and test that high from yesterday at fifty nine eighty six. Also, you know, keep in mind, you know, you got some big boys reporting tomorrow. And uh, you know back on you know
1: this whole week this is this is the week for that yeah. Apple yeah Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon
3: yeah so that's all we would have been talking about today if this virus wasn't there. We would have been talking about these big earnings reports here. So how much is this virus going to affect those the reaction to those stocks earnings I mean, Let's hope that, you know, in the next day or two, we can get some more clarity. Let's hope that they can get this more in control and maybe the market can rally back. But difficult, even if you report good earnings like DHI Horton did today, they get punished because the overall market is just getting smacked. So the coronavirus is going to dictate a lot this and, 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 you know, how analysts work. Or how the media works, they'll find a reason. If Apple turns around and starts selling off on the report, they won't blame coronavirus for it. They'll find a reason in the Apple numbers to justify that. Even though, in a lot of cases, you know, you see Apple down seven points here today. Um, it's down because of the coronavirus. So that impacts all stocks. This will not be a just-
1: test. This will be a test. Who,
3: uh, who
1: takes the reins in the market? Is it is it the fundamental information of earnings reports, or is it the fear from the spread of this virus, who will take, take? who will supersede the other?
3: Take it the will, media away, it's, I, I, it's I, like, if I was a gambling man, I would say it's a coronavirus all day, but maybe the coronavirus, maybe the concerns can get, uh, you know, maybe we can, you know. Get well, maybe well I'm, saying,
1: I'm saying as far as like di- dictating sentiment, you know, like. That's what say, I'm saying
3: too. Okay. I agree with you, but I think the coronavirus wins all day right now. I think this is spooked. I'm spooked. I think I'm a typical investor and I'm kind of spooked. You're Reading not, about this, I'm spooked.
4: Not, you're not the typical
3: investor. Why not? Why not? I think I'm a typical investor. I trade for a living, but I think I'm a typical investor where I'm kind of buy only in my long term portfolio. You know, if I put my investor hat off, take the trading hat off, and put on my investing hat on, for the most part I buy and I hold. And, you know, at certain times, you know, I'm probably the wrong times, I lighten up. And, you know, I'm I'm spooked right now. So I think the typical investor is probably spooked about this. They're coming in, the typical investor and coming and saying, whoa, you know, here we were thinking this is going to be maybe a non-event over here. And all of a sudden, you know, the markets are down significantly. Now they're doing more homework and you're reading about this thing and you're saying, oh, this does look worse than the typical flu virus, which, you know, last week everybody was saying this is just like the flu. So what's the big deal? Looks like a bigger deal to
4: me. Yeah, things are just kind of picking up here coming into the uh, nine o'clock hour and like you get these general questions, you know, is this a buy the dip opportunity? You know, it, you know, that's such a general, such a broad question. If you have a stock that you've had on your shopping list and you want to buy that stock, let's say you wanted to buy Twitter at 32, you've had a technical, you're set up, then go ahead and buy it. But just to look at randomly across the board and say, yeah. This is just a buy the dip opportunity. You can't do that. You got to look at what your plan was before. You can't look at the screen and make your decisions based on all, you know, it's all the emotion now. I mean, there's yeah. certain stocks like buying the dip in Tesla today, uh, you know, whew, go ahead. It's doubled like, in the last couple months. Right.
3: And so, we're not giving any investment advice. Yeah. And Joel's saying, go ahead. He's saying sarcastically here.
4: I'm saying um, if you have a plan, and this is something that you want to do and you've talked to your investment advisor your RIA and this is what they recommended then go ahead you know tune out the emotion but you just can't blanket you know buy the dip you know buy everything because some stocks are going to go down more than others and you know it, how it's correlated and also look at where you're at on in your investment horizon you know if you're getting ready to retire you have hit your you have seated your targets in the market where your goals were and that's something to think about. If you're a youngster like Spencer and, and my kids and stuff, then you know, you've know got a much longer time horizon. Yeah. You have to look at that from that perspective. So. Um, I
3: mean, it's a great point you're making. It all depends on the individual investor and what are your investment needs? Do you need this cash in the next couple of years? Are you 25 years old and looking to invest for the first time? Maybe it's a good opportunity. But to just say, I'm going to buy the dip because we always come back. We don't always have to do anything. And if you were doing this, no, we're not saying this is 1999. We're not saying this, but I'm saying there are instances in my 20 year trading career where people have been hurt very badly buying the dip. Not in the last five years, because the market keeps rolling back up and we haven't had a serious correction of anything more than 20%. But when you see the NASDAQ go from 5,000 to 1100 back in 1999, if you're buying those dips on those tech stocks. A lot of those tech stocks went to zero. And if you're buying them on margin, you blew out your account. So I mean, buy the dip has worked for a long, long time. It doesn't always have to work though. So don't just automatically assume that it has to work eventually because it doesn't have to do anything. So just saying exercise caution. If you're underinvested, maybe use this opportunity to get a little bit more exposure. But yeah. I, I'm somewhat underinvested. I'll tell you what, I, all I can tell you is what I am right. doing. I'm yeah. fairly young. My investment profile is like probably, you know, like 20 years really. And maybe I do, I, I never retire? because I love trading. But I, I have lots of time on my, on my side. So I should have a lot of exposure. I should be following the market. I'm a little bit underinvested, So I've been looking for an opportunity to put some of that cash to work. I'm not doing it here today because I just have, don't have enough information yet. I'm right. too yeah. nervous that this could be something bigger.
4: And also if you're, you know, if you're active in stocks and you, I'm just giving you examples here, if you trade normally trade a thousand shares of a stock you're probably going to get the same bang for the buck with four or 500 because of the volatility. So one thing, maybe reducing your size also, and uh, Dennis, you can attest to this, you know, put orders out. I mean, if you have a a place where you want to exit something or enter something, you'll be, you'll get hit with orders. People are going to be looking for liquidity. So yeah, they're going to be looking for bids or uh, no, and even offers too. So don't, you know, don't, don't be hesitant to, you know, put orders out there. They're looking for liquidity, and you'd be surprised at some of the executions you could get. But uh, we're running a few minutes over here. Your pre-market low is 32, 35.75. Um, File through on that. I don't see a pair of lows until the 32.07 area. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on the downside. Also, I did look up limit down is 112 handles from here. That's down at- 30. 112 handles more? Yeah. Oh, yep. wow. Yep. Yep. So um, you know, just a couple things to uh just to keep in mind today.
1: All right. Uh that'll be it for our show. I want to thank our guests, Michael Sonnenschein and Alan Brockstein. Uh you can always catch a replay of our show on YouTube or on our podcast, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh I think that's all the platforms it's on. Yeah, got them all. Uh, for a free two-week trial of Benzinga Pro, there's a link in the description of this video. You can click on that link during the trial. Somebody from Benzinga will hit you up. And if you're enjoying the product, you, you will get a discount uh, because uh, you're listening to our show right now. So go to the link in the description of this video on YouTube for a, a link to sign up for a two-week trial of Benzinga Pro. Uh, I want to tell you about our upcoming events. As I mentioned earlier, the Cannabis Capital Conference in Miami next month, February 24th and 25th, benzingaevents.com to learn more about that. You can always call us, leave us a voicemail, 734-494-0246, or email us, at Benzinga.com. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Tuesday.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies.